Book Seventeen of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument: The Seventh Battle for the Body of Patroclus. The Acts of Menelaus Menelaus, upon the death of Patroclus, defends his body from the enemy. Euphorbus, who attempts it, is slain. Hector advancing, Menelaus retires, but soon returns with Ajax and drives him off. This Glaucus objects to Hector as a flight who thereupon puts on the armour he had won from Patroclus, and renews the battle. The Greeks give way, till Ajax rallies them. Aeneas sustains the Trojans. Aeneas and Hector attempt the chariot of Achilles, which is borne off by Automedon. The horses of Achilles deplore the loss of Patroclus. Jupiter covers his body with a thick darkness. The noble prayer of Ajax on that occasion. Menelaus sends Antilochus to Achilles with the news of Patroclus's death, then returns to the fight, where though attacked with the utmost fury, he and Meriones, assisted by the Ajaces, bear off the body to the ships. The time is the evening of the eight-and-twentieth day. The scene lies in the fields before Troy. Nor was Patroclus's fall, by Trojans slain, of warlike Menelaus unobserved. Forward he sprang, in dazzling arms arrayed, that round him moved, as round her new-dropped calf, her first a heifer moves with plaintive moan so round patroclus menelaus moved his shield's broad orb and spear before him held to all who might oppose him threatening death nor on his side was panthous's noble son unmindful of the slain but standing near the warlike menelaus thus addressed illustrious son of ajax heaven-born chief quit thou the dead yield up the bloody spoils for of the trojans and their famed allies mine was the hand that in the stubborn fight first struck patroclus leave me then to wear among the men of troy my honours due lest by my spear thou lose thy cherished life. To whom in anger Menelaus thus, O father Jove, how ill this vaunting tone beseems this braggart! In their own esteem with Panthous's sons for courage none may vie nor pard, nor lion, nor the forest boar, fiercest of beasts, and proudest of his strength. Yet, 
not availed to Hyperenor's might his youthful vigour, when he held me cheap, and my encounter dared. Of all the Greeks he deemed my prowess least, yet he, I ween, on his own feet returned not to rejoice his tender wife's and honoured parents' sight, so shall thy pride be quelled, if me thou dare encounter. But I warn thee, while tis time ere ill betide thee, mid the general throng that thou withdraw, nor stand to me opposed. After the event may e'en a fool be wise. He spoke in vain. Euphorbus thus replied, Now, heaven-born Menelaus, shalt thou pay the forfeit for my brother's life, or whom, slain by thy hand, thou makest thy boasting speech? Thou in the chambers of her new-found home hast made his bride a weeping widow. Thou hast filled with bitterest grief his parents' hearts, some solace might those hapless mourners find, could I thy head and armour in the hands of Panthous and of honoured Frontis place. Nor uncontested shall the proof remain, nor long deferred of victory or defeat. He said, and struck the centre of the shield, but broke not through. Against the stubborn brass the point was bent. Then, with a prayer to Jove, the son of Atreus, in his turn, advanced, and backward, as he stepped, below his throat took aim, and pressing hard with stalwart hand, drove through the yielding neck the ponderous spear. Thundering, he fell and loud his armour rang. Those locks that with the grace's hair might vie, those tresses bright with gold and silver bound, were dabbled all with blood. As when a man hath reared a fair and vigorous olive plant in some lone spot by copious gushing springs, and seen expanding, nursed by every breeze its whitening blossoms, till with sudden gust a sweeping hurricane of wind and rain uproots it from its bed, and prostrate lays, so lay the youthful son of Panthous, slain by Atreus's son, and of his arms despoiled. And as a lion in the mountains bred in pride of strength amid the pasturing herd seizes a heifer in his powerful jaws the choicest and her neck first broken rends and on her entrails gorging laps the blood though with loud clamour dogs and herdsmen round assail him from afar yet ventures none to meet his rage for fear is on them all so none was there so bold with dauntless breast the noble menelaus's wrath to meet 
now had Atrides borne away with ease the spoils of Panthous's son. But Phoebus grudged his prize of victory, and against him launched the might of Hector, terrible as Mars, to whom his winged words in Mentes's form, chief of the Cyconies, he thus addressed. Hector, thy labour all is vain, pursuing Pelides' flying steeds, and hard are they for mortal man to harness or control, save for Achilles' self, the goddess born. The valiant Menelaus, Atreus' son, defends meanwhile Patroclus, and e'en now hath slain a noble Trojan, Panthous' son, Euphorbus, and his youthful vigour quelled. He said, and joined again the strife of men. Hector's dark soul with bitter grief was filled. He looked amid the ranks, and saw the two, one slain, the other stripping off his arms, the blood outpouring from the gaping wound. Forward he sprang, in dazzling arms arrayed, loud shouting, blazing like the quenchless flames of Vulcan. Menelaus heard the shout, and troubled, communed with his valiant heart. Oh, woe is me, for should I now the spoils abandon, and Patroclus, who for me and in my cause lies slain, of any Greek who saw me, I might well incur the blame. And yet if here alone I dare to fight with Hector and his Trojans, much I fear, singly, to be by numbers overwhelmed, for Hector all the Trojans hither brings. But wherefore entertain such thoughts, my soul? who strives against the will divine with one beloved of heaven a bitter doom must meet then none may blame me though i should retreat from hector who with heaven's assistance wars yet could i hear brave ajax's battle-cry we two returning would the encounter dare e'en against heaven if so for peleus's son we might regain and bear away the dead some solace of our loss might then be ours while in his mind and spirit thus he mused by hector led the trojan ranks advanced backward he moved abandoning the dead but turning oft, as when by men and dogs a bearded lion from the fold is driven with shouts and spears, yet grieves his mighty heart, and with reluctant step he quits the yard. So from Patroclus Menelaus moved. Yet when he reached his comrades' ranks, he turned and looked around, if haply he might find the mighty Ajax, son of Telamon. Him, on the battle's farthest left, he spied, cheering his friends, 
and urging to the fight, for sorely Phoebus had their courage tried, and hastening to his side, addressed him thus. Ajax, haste hither, to the rescue come of slain Patroclus, if perchance we too may to Achilles, Peleus' son, restore his body, his naked body, for his arms are prized to Hector of the glancing helm. He said, and Ajax's spirit within him stirred. Forward he sprang, and with him Atreus's son. Hector was dragging now Patroclus's corpse, stripped of its glittering armor, and intent the head to sever with his sword, and give the mangled carcass to the dogs of Troy. But Ajax, with his tower-like shield, approached. Then Hector to his comrades' ranks withdrew, rushed to his car, and bade the Trojans bear the glittering arms, his glorious prize, to Troy. While Ajax, with his mighty shield, o'erspread Menetius's son, and stood, as for his cubs a lion stands, whom hunters unaware have with his offspring met amid the woods, proud in his strength he stands, and down or drawn, covering his eyes, the wrinkles of his brow, so o'er Patroclus mighty Ajax stood, and by his side, his heart with grief oppressed, the warlike Menelaus, Atreus's son. Then Glaucus, leader of the Lycian host, to Hector thus, with scornful glance, addressed his keen reproaches. Hector, fair of form, how art thou wanting in the fight? Thy fame, coward and runaway, thou hast belied. Bethink thee now, if thou alone canst save the city, aided but by Trojans born. Henceforth no Lycian will go forth for Troy to fight with Greeks, since favour none we gain by unremitting toil against the foe. How can a meaner man expect thine aid, who basely to the Greeks a prize and spoil, Sarpedon leavest, thy comrade, and thy guest? Greatly he served the city, and thyself, while yet he lived, and now thou darest not save his body from the dogs. By my advice, if Lycians will be ruled, we take at once our homeward way, and Troy may meet her doom. But if in Trojan bosoms there abode the daring dauntless courage, meets for men, who in their country's cause against the foe endure both toil and war, we soon should see Patroclus brought within the walls of Troy. Him from the battle could we bear away, and lifeless bring to royal Priam's town. Soon would the Greeks Sarpedon's arms release, 
and we to Ilium's heights himself might bear, for with his valiant comrades there lies slain the follower of the bravest chief of Greece. But thou, before the mighty Ajax stoodst with downcast eyes, nor durst in manly fight contend with one thy better far confessed. To whom thus Hector of the glancing helm, with stern regard, replied, Why, Glaucus, speak, brave as thou art, in this o'erbearing strain? Good friend, I heretofore have held thee wise, or all who dwell in Lycia's fertile soil, but now I change and hold thy judgment cheap, who chargest me with flying from the might of giant Ajax. Never have I shrunk from the stern fight and clatter of the cars. But all o'erruling is the mind of Jove, who strikes with panic, and of victory robs the bravest, and anon excites to war. Stand by me now, and see if through the day I prove myself the coward that thou sayest, or suffer that a Greek, how brave soe'er, shall rescue from my hands Patroclus's corpse. He said, and loudly on the Trojans called, Trojans and Lycians, and ye Dardans famed in close encounter, quit ye now like men, maintain a while the stubborn fight, while I the splendid armour of Achilles don, my glorious prize from slain Patroclus torn. So saying, Hector of the glancing helm, withdrawing from the field, with rapid steps his comrades followed, and ere long o'ertook, who toward the town Achilles' armour bore. Then, standing from the bloody fight aloof, the armour he exchanged. His own he bade the warlike Trojans to the city bear, while he of Peleus's son Achilles donned the heavenly armour which the immortal gods gave to his sire, he to his son conveyed. Yet in that armour grew not old that son. Him, when apart the cloud-compeller saw, girt with the arms of Peleus's godlike son, he shook his head, and inly thus he mused, Ah, hapless! Little deemst thou of thy fate, though now so nigh. Thou of the prime of men, the dread of all, hast donned the immortal arms, whose comrade, brave and good, thy hand hath slain, and shamed him, stripping from his head and breast, helmet and cuirass. Yet... Thy latest hours will I with glory crown, 
since ne'er from thee returned from battle shall andromache receive the spoils of peleus's godlike son he said and nodded with his shadowy brows then with the armour fitted to his form by jove himself was hector girt by mars the fierce and terrible with vigorous strength his limbs were strung as mid his brave allies he sprang loud shouting glittering in his arms to all he seemed achilles's godlike self to each and all in cheering tones he spoke Mestlus and glaucus and thersilicus esteropius and hippothous medon decenor forsyes chromius and enomus the seer to all of these his winged words he cheeringly addressed hear me ye countless tribes that dwelling round assist our cause you from your several homes not for display of numbers have i called but that with willing hearts ye should defend our wives and infants from the warlike greeks for this i drain my people's stores for food and gifts for you exalting your estate who will boldly onward may he fall or safe escape such is the chance of war but who within our valiant trojans ranks shall but the body of patroclus bring despite the might of ajax half the spoils to him i give the other half myself retaining and his praise shall equal mine he said and onward with uplifted spears they marched upon the greeks high rose their hopes from ajax telamon to snatch the dead vain hopes which cost them many a life then thus to valiant menelaus ajax spoke o heaven-born menelaus noble friend for safe return i dare no longer hope not for patroclus's corpse so much i fear which soon will glut the dogs and birds of troy as for my life and thine i tremble now for like a war-cloud hector's might i see o'ershadowing all around now is our doom apparent but do thou for succour call on all the chiefs if haply they may hear thus ajax spoke obedient to his word on all the chiefs atrides called aloud o friends the chiefs and counsellors of greece all ye that banquet at the general cost with atreus's sons and o'er your several states dominion hold whose honour is of jove 
twere hard to call by name each single man, so fierce the combat rages. But let each and all their aid afford, and deem it shame Patroclus's corpse should glut the dogs of Troy. He said, first heard Oileus's active son and hastening through the fray, beside him stood. Next him Idomeneus, with whom there came, valiant as Mars, his friend Meriones. But who can know, or tell the names of all, who, following, swelled the battle of the Greeks? Onward the Trojans pressed, by Hector led, with such a sound, as when the ocean wave meets on the beach the outpouring of a stream, swollen by the rains of heaven, the lofty cliffs resound, and bellows the big sea without, with such a sound advanced the Trojan host. While round Patroclus, with one heart and mind, the Greeks a fence of brass-clad bucklers raised. O'er their bright helms the son of Saturn shed a veil of darkness. For Menetius's son, Achilles's faithful friend, while yet he lived, Jove hated not, nor would now that his corpse should to the dogs of Troy remain a prey but to the rescue all his comrades stirred. At first the Trojans drove the keen-eyed Greeks, leaving the corpse they fled, nor with their spears the valiant Trojans reached a single Greek. But on the dead they seized, yet not for long endured their flight, them Ajax rallied soon in form pre-eminent, and deeds of arms o'er all the Greeks, save Peleus's matchless son. Onward he sprang, as springs a mountain boar, which, turning in the forest glade to bay, scatters with ease both dogs and stalwart youths, so Ajax scattered soon the Trojan ranks, that round Patroclus, closing, hoped to bear with glory to themselves his corpse to Troy. Hippothous, Pelagian Lathus's son, was dragging by the feet the noble dead, a leathern belt around his ankles bound, seeking the favour of the men of Troy. But on himself he brought destruction down, which none might turn aside, for from the crowd outsprang the son of Telamon, and struck in close encounter on the brass-cheeked helm. The plumed helm was shivered by the blow, dealt by a weighty spear, and stalwart hand, gushed from the wound the mingled blood and brain, his vital spirit quenched, and on the ground fell from his powerless grasp Patroclus's foot, while he, 
himself lay stretched beside the dead, far from his own Larissa's teeming soil, nor destined he his parents to repay their early care, for short his term of life, by godly Ajax's mighty spear subdued. At Ajax Hector threw his glittering spear, he saw and narrowly the brazen death escaped. But Scedius, son of Iphetus, the bravest of the Phocian chiefs who dwell in far-famed Panopeus, the mighty lord of numerous hosts, below the collar-bone it struck, and passing through, the brazen point came forth again beneath his shoulder-blade. Thundering, he fell and loud his armour rang. As Phorcys, son of Phenops, kept his watch o'er slain Hippothous, him Ajax smote below the waist. The weighty spear broke through the hollow breastplate, and the intestines tore. Prone in the dust he fell, and clutched the ground. At this the Trojan chiefs, and Hector's self gan to give way. The Greeks, with joyful shouts, seized both the dead, and stripped their armour off. To Ilium now, before the warlike Greeks, o'ercome by panic, had the Trojans fled, and now had Greeks, despite the will of Jove, by their own strength and courage, won the day had not Apollo's self Aeneas roused. In likeness of a herald, Paraphus, the son of Epitus, now aged, grown in service of Aeneas's aged sire, a man of kindliest soul. His form assumed, Apollo and Aeneas thus addressed. Aeneas, how? Against the will of heaven could ye defend your city, as others now, in their own strength and courage confident their numbers, and their troops' undaunted hearts I see their cause maintaining. If, when Jove rather do us than them, the victory wills, with fear unspeakable ye shun the fight, he said. The presence of the archer-god Aeneas knew, and loud to Hector called, Hector, and all ye other chiefs of Troy, and brave allies, foul shame it were that we, o'ercome by panic, should to Ilium now in flight be driven before the warlike Greeks, and by my side but now some god there stood and told me how jove the sovereign arbiter of battle on our side bestowed his aid on then nor undisturbed allow the greeks to bear patroclus's body to their ships he said and far before the ranks advanced they rallying turned and faced again the greeks 
then first aeneas's spear the comrade brave of lycomedes struck leocritus son of arisbus lycomedes saw with pitying eyes his gallant comrades fall and standing near his glittering spear he threw and through the midriff apiseon struck his people's guardian chief the valiant son of hippasus and slacked his limbs in death he from paeonia's fertile fields had come o'er all his comrades eminent in fight all save Esteropius, who with eyes of pity saw his gallant comrades fall and forward sprang to battle with the greeks yet could not force his way for all around patroclus rose a fence of serried shields and spears projecting such the orders given by ajax and with earnest care enforced that from around the dead none should retire nor any to the front advance alone before his fellows but their steady guard maintain and hand to hand the battle wage so ordered ajax then with crimson blood the earth was wet and hand to hand they fell trojans alike and brave allies and greeks for neither these a bloodless fight sustained though fewer far their losses for they stood of mutual succour mindful and support thus furious as the rage of fire they fought nor might ye deem the glorious sun himself nor moon was safe for darkest clouds of night o'erspread the warriors who the battle waged around the body of Manetius's son. Elsewhere the Trojans and the well-greaved Greeks fought undisturbed in the clear light of day. The sun's bright beams were shed abroad. No cloud lay on the face of earth or mountain-tops. But they, but by fits, at distant intervals, and far apart each seeking to avoid the hostile missiles fought but in the midst the bravest all in darkness and in strife sore pressed toiled on beneath their armour's weight as yet no tidings of patroclus's fall had reached two valiant chiefs antilochus and thrasymedes but they deemed him still alive and fighting in the foremost ranks they witnessing their comrades flight and death fought on apart by nestor so enjoined when from the ships he bade them join the fray great was meanwhile their labour who sustained throughout the livelong day that weary fight reeked with continuous toil and sweat the knees and legs and feet the arms and eyes of all who round achilles's faithful comrade fought 
as when a chief his people bids to stretch a huge bull's hide all drenched and soaked with grease they in a circle ranged this way and that pull the tough hide till entering in the grease is all absorbed and dragged by numerous hands the supple skin to the utmost length is stretched so these in narrow space this way and that the body dragged and high the hopes of each to bear it off in triumph to their ships the greeks to troy the trojans fiercely raged the struggle spirit stirring mars himself or pallas to her utmost fury roused had not that struggle with contempt beheld such grievous labour o'er patroclus's corpse had jove to horses and to men decreed but of patroclus's fall no tidings yet had reached achilles for the war was waged far from the ships beneath the walls of troy nor looked he of his death to hear but deemed that when the trojans to their gates were driven he would return in safety for no hope had he of taking by assault the town with or without his aid for oft apart his goddess mother had his doom foretold revealing to her son the mind of jove yet ne'er had warned him of such grief as this which now befell his dearest comrades loss still round the dead they held their pointed spears fought hand to hand and mutual slaughter dealt and thus perchance some brass-clad greek would say o friends twere shameful should we to the ships ingloriously return ere that should be let earth engulf us all so better far than let these trojans to their city bear our dead and boast them of their triumph gained on the other hand some valiant trojan thus would shout o friends though fate decreed that here we all should die yet let not one give way thus cheering each his comrades would they speak and thus they fought the iron clangor pierced the empty air and brazen vault of heaven but from the fight withdrawn achilles's steeds wept as they heard how in the dust was laid their charioteer by hector's murderous hand automedon diores's valiant son essayed in vain to rouse them with the lash in vain with honeyed words in vain with threats nor to the ships would they return again by the broad hellespont nor join the fray but as a column stands which marks the tomb of man or woman so immovable 
beneath the splendid car they stood their heads down drooping to the ground while scalding tears dropped earthward from their eyelids as they mourned their charioteer and o'er the yoke band shed down streamed their ample manes with dust defiled the son of saturn pitying saw their grief and sorrowing shook his head as thus he mused ah hapless horses wherefore gave we you to royal peleus to a mortal man you that from age and death are both exempt was it that you the miseries might share of wretched mortals for of all that breathe and walk upon the earth or creep is not more wretched than the unhappy race of man yet shall not ye nor shall your well-wrought car by hector son of priam be controlled i will not suffer it enough for him to hold with vaunting boast achilles' arms but to your limbs and spirits will i impart such strength that from the battle to the ships ye shall in safety bear automedon for yet i will the trojans shall prevail and slay until they reach the well-manned ships till sets the sun and darkness shrouds the earth he said and in their breasts fresh spirit infused they shaking from their manes the dust the car amid the greeks and trojans lightly bore then as a vulture mid a flock of geese amid the battle rushed automedon his horses course directing and their speed exciting though he mourned his comrades slain swiftly he fled from out the trojan host swiftly again assailed them in pursuit yet speedy to pursue he could not slay nor in the car alone had power at once to guide the flying steeds and hurl the spear at length a comrade brave alcimedon laerces's son beheld behind the car he stood and thus automedon addressed automedon what god has filled thy mind with counsels vain and thee of sense bereft that with the trojans in the foremost ranks thou fain wouldst fight alone thy comrades slain while hector proudly on his breast displays the glorious arms of great Iacides. to whom automedon diores's son alcimedon since none of all the greeks may vie with thee the metal to control of these immortal horses save indeed while yet he lived patroclus godlike chief but him stern death and fate have o'erta'en take thou then the whip 
and shining reins, while I, descending from the car, engage in fight. He said, and mounting on the war-car straight, Alcimedon the whip and reins assumed. Down leaped Automedon. Great Hector saw, and thus addressed Aeneas at his side. Aeneas, prince and counsellor of Troy, I see, committed to unskilful hands, Achilles' horses on the battlefield. These we may hope to take, if such thy will, for they, methinks, will scarcely stand opposed, or dare the encounter of our joint assault. He said, Anchises' valiant son complied. Forward they went, their shoulders covered o'er with stout bull's hide, thick overlaid with brass. With them both Chromius and Aretus went, and high their hopes were raised, the warriors both, to slay and make the strong-necked steeds their prize. Blind fools! nor destined scathless to escape Automedon's encounter. He his prayer to Jove addressed, and straight with added strength his soul was filled. And to Alcimedon, his trusty friend and comrade, thus he spoke. Alcimedon, do thou the horses keep not far away, but breathing on my neck, for Hector's might will not, I deem, be stayed, ere us he slay, and mount Achilles' car, and carry terror mid the Grecian host, or in the foremost ranks himself be slain. Thus spoke Automedon, and loudly called on Menelaus and the Aegises both, Ye two Aegises, leaders of the host, and Menelaus, with our bravest all, ye on the dead alone your care bestow to guard him and stave off the hostile ranks, but haste, and us, the living, save from death, for Hector and Aeneas hitherward, with weight o'erpowering through the bloody press, the bravest of the Trojans, force their way yet is the issue in the hands of heaven i hurl the spear but jove directs the blow he said and poising hurls the ponderous spear full on aretus's broad-orbed shield it struck nor stayed the shield its course the brazen point drove through the belt, and in his body lodged. As, with sharp axe in hand, a stalwart man, striking behind the horns, a sturdy bull severs the neck, he, forward plunging, falls. So forward first he sprang, then backwards fell, and quivering in his vitals deep infixed, 
the sharp spear soon relaxed his limbs in death. Then at Automedon great Hector threw his glittering spear. He saw, and forward stooped, and shunned the brazen death. Behind him far, deep in the soil infixed, with quivering shaft the weapon stood. There Mars its impulse stayed. And now, with swords, and hand to hand, the fight had been renewed. But at their comrades' call, the two agencies, pressing through the throng, between the warriors interposed in haste. Before them Hector and Aeneas both, and godlike Chromius, in alarm recoiled. Pierced through the heart, Aretus there they left, and, terrible as Mars, Automedon stripped off his arms, and thus exulting cried, Of some small portion of its load of grief for slain Patroclus is my heart relieved in slaying thee, all worthless as thou art. Then, throwing on the car the bloody spoils, he mounted, hands and feet imbrued with blood, as twere a lion, fresh from his repast, upon the carcass of a slaughtered bull. Again around Patroclus's body raged the stubborn conflict, direful, sorrow-fraught. From heaven descending, Pallas stirred the strife, sent by all-seeing Jove to stimulate the warlike Greeks. So changed was now his will. As o'er the face of heaven, when Jove extends his bright-hued bow, a sign to mortal men of war or wintry storms, which bid surcease the rural works of man, and pinch the flocks, so Pallas, in a bright-hued cloud arrayed, passed through the ranks, and roused each several man. To noble Menelaus, Atreus's son, who close beside her stood, the goddess first, the form of Phoenix, and his powerful voice assuming, thus her stirring words addressed, on thee, O Menelaus, foul reproach will fasten, If Achilles' faithful friend the dogs devour Beneath the walls of Troy. Then hold thou firm, and all the hosts inspire. To whom thus Menelaus, good in fight. O Phoenix, aged warrior, Honoured sire, if Pallas would the needful power impart, and o'er me spread her aegis, then would I, undaunted, for Patroclus's rescue fight, for deeply by his death my heart is touched. But valiant Hector, with the strength of fire, still rages, and destruction deals around. For Jove is with him, and his triumph wills. He said, 
the blue-eyed goddess heard with joy that chief of all the gods her aid he sought she gave fresh vigour to his arms and knees and to his breast the boldness of the fly which oft repelled by man renews the assault incessant lured by taste of human blood such boldness in atrides's manly breast pallas inspired beside patroclus's corpse again he stood and poised his glittering spear there was one podes in the trojan ranks son of Aetion, rich of blameless life of all the people most to hector dear and at his table oft a welcome guest him as he turned to fly beneath the waist atrides struck right through the spear was driven thundering he fell and atreus's son the corpse dragged from the trojans mid the ranks of greece then close at hector's side apollo stood clad in the form of phenops asius's son who in abydos dwelt of all the allies honoured of hector most and best beloved clad in his form the far destroyer spoke hector what other greek will scare thee next who shrinks from menelaus heretofore a warrior deemed of no repute but now alone he robs our trojans of their dead and in the foremost ranks e'en now hath slain podes thine own good friend Aetion's son he said dark grief o'erclouded hector's brow as to the front in dazzling arms he sprang then saturn's son his tasselled aegis waved all glittering bright and ida's lofty head in clouds and darkness shrouded then he bade his lightning flash his volleying thunder roar that shook the mountain and with victory crowned the trojan arms and panic struck the greeks the first who turned to fly was peneleus boeotian chief him facing still the foe a spear had slightly on the shoulder struck the bone just grazing by polydamus who close before him stood the spear was thrown then hector leitus Electrian's son thrust through the wrist and quelled his warlike might trembling he looked around nor hoped again the trojans spear in hand to meet in fight but onward as he rushed on leitus idomeneus at hector threw his spear full on his breast it struck but near the head the sturdy shaft was on the breastplate snapped 
loud was the Trojans' shout. And he, in turn, aimed at Idomeneus, Deucalion's son, upstanding on his car. His mark he missed, but Cyrenus he struck, the charioteer and faithful follower of Meriones, who with him came from Lyctus's thriving town. The chief had left on foot the well-trimmed ships, and, had not Cyrenus his car in haste driven to the rescue, by his fall had given a Trojan triumph. To his lord he brought safety and rescue from unsparing death, but fell himself by Hector's murderous hand. Him Hector struck between the cheek and ear, crashing the teeth and cutting through the tongue. Headlong he fell to earth and dropped the reins. These stooping from the car, Meriones caught up, and thus Idomeneus addressed. Ply now the lash until thou reach the ships. Thyself must see how crushed the strength of Greece. He said, and toward the ships Idomeneus urged his fleet steeds, for fear was on his soul. Nor did not Ajax and Atreides see how, in the Trojans' favour, Saturn's son, the wavering scale of victory, turned, and thus great Ajax Telamon his grief expressed. O heaven! The veriest child might plainly see that Jove the Trojans' triumph has decreed. Their weapons all, by whomsoever thrown, or weak or strong, attain their mark, for Jove directs their course, while ours upon the plain innocuous fall. But take we counsel now how from the fray to bear away our dead, and by our own return rejoice those friends who look with sorrow on our plight, and deem that we, all powerless to resist the might of Hector's arm, beside the ships must fall. Would that some comrade were at hand to bear a message to Achilles. Him, I ween, as yet the mournful tidings have not reached that on the field his dearest friend lies dead. But such I see not, for a veil of cloud o'er men and horses all around is spread. Remove this cloudy darkness, clear the sky, that we may see our fate, and die at least, if such thy will, in the open light of day. He said, and pitying, Jove beheld his tears. The clouds he scattered, and the mist dispersed. The sun shone forth, and all the field was clear. Then Ajax thus to Menelaus spoke. Now, heaven-born Menelaus, look around, 
if haply mid the living thou mayst see antilochus the noble nestor's son and bid him to achilles bear in haste the tidings that his dearest friend lies dead he said nor did atrides not comply but slow as moves a lion from the fold which dogs and youths with ceaseless toil hath worn who all night long have kept their watch to guard from his assault the choicest of the herd he hunger pinched hath oft the attempt renewed but not prevailed by spears on every side and javelins met wielded by stalwart hands and blazing torches which his courage daunt till with the morn he sullenly withdraws so from patroclus with reluctant step atrides moved for much he feared the greeks might to the trojans panic-struck the dead abandon and departing he besought the two ajaces and meriones ye two ajaces and thou meriones remember now our lost patroclus's gentle courtesy how kind and genial was his soul to all while yet he lived now sunk alas in death thus saying menelaus took his way casting his glance around on every side like to an eagle famed of sharpest sight of all that fly beneath the vault of heaven whom soaring in the clouds the crouching hare eludes not though in leafiest covert hid but swooping down he rends her life away so menelaus through the ranks of war thy piercing glances every way were turned if nestor's son alive thou mightst descry him on the field's extremest left he found cheering his friends and urging to the fight he stood beside him and addressed him thus antilochus come hither godlike friend and woeful tidings here which would to heaven i had not to impart thyself thou seest how jove hath heaped disaster on the greeks and victory given to troy but one has fallen our bravest best patroclus lies in death and deeply must the greeks his loss deplore but haste thee to the ships to peleus's son the tidings bear if haply he may save the body of patroclus from the foe his naked body for his arms are now the prize of hector of the glancing helm he said and at his words antilochus astounded stood long time his tongue in vain for utterance strove his eyes were filled with tears his cheerful voice was mute yet not the less to menelaus's bidding gave his care 
swiftly he sped. But to Laodicus, his comrade brave, who waited with his car in close attendance, first consigned his arms. Then from the field with active limbs he flew, weeping, with mournful news to Peleus' son. Nor, noble Menelaus, did thy heart incline thee to remain and aid thy friends, where from their war-worn ranks the Pylian troops deplored the absence of Antilochus. But these, in godlike Thrasymedes' charge, he left, and to Patroclus hastening back beside the Aegises stood, as thus he spoke. Him to Achilles, to the ships in haste I have dispatched. Yet fiercely as his wrath may burn toward Hector, I can scarce expect his presence here. For how could he unarmed with Trojans fight? But take we counsel now how from the field to bear away our dead, and scape ourselves from death by Trojan hands. Whom answered thus great Ajax Telamon? Illustrious Menelaus, all thy words are just and true. Then from amid the press thou and Meriones take up in haste and bear away the body, while behind we two, in heart united, as in name, who side by side have still been wont to fight, will Hector and his Trojans hold at bay. He said, they, lifting in their arms the corpse, upraised it high in air, then from behind loud yelled the Trojans as they saw the Greeks retiring with their dead, and on they rushed, as dogs that in advance of hunter youths pursue a wounded boar, a while they run, eager for blood, but when in pride of strength he turns upon them, backward they recoil this way and that, in fear of death dispersed. So onward pressed a while the Trojan crowd, with thrust of swords and double-pointed spears. But ever as the Aegises turned to bay, their colour changed to pale. Not one so bold as dashing on to battle for the corpse. Thus they, with anxious care, from off the field bore toward the ships their dead. But on their track came sweeping on the storm of battle, fierce as on a sudden breaking forth the fire seizes some populous city and devours house after house amid the glare and blaze while roar the flames before the gusty wind. So fiercely pressed upon the Greeks' retreat the clattering tramp of steeds and armed men. But as the mules with stubborn strength endued that down the mountain through the trackless waste drag some huge log or timber for the ships and spent with toil and sweat still labour on unflinching so 
the Greeks with patient toil bore on their dead. The Ajaces in their rear stemming the war, as stems the torrent's force, some wooded cliff far stretching o'er the plain, checking the mighty river's rushing stream, and flinging it aside upon the plain, itself unbroken by the strength of flood. So firmly in the rear the Ajaces stemmed the Trojan force. Yet these still onward pressed, and mid their comrades proudly eminent, two chiefs, Aeneas, old Anchises' son, and glorious Hector, in the van were seen. Then, as a cloud of starlings, or of daws fly screaming as they see the hawk approach, to lesser birds the messenger of death. So, before Hector and Aeneas fled, screaming, forgetful of their warlike fame, the sons of Greece, and scattered here and there, around the ditch, lay store of goodly arms by Greeks abandoned in their hasty flight. Yet still unintermitted raged the war. End of Book 17